The Anything Arty Show every Thursday from 8 till 9 on Waiheke Radio, 88.3 and 107.4 FM. That's the Anything Arty Show, sponsored by the artist goldsmith, Studio Connections on Eroa. Call in to see Christine's latest designs or phone 372-7809 to discuss a commission. Yes, that's us, and welcome to the Anything Artist Show once again on Thursday evening. And uh, thanks to the artist goldsmith, David and Christine, for sponsoring the show and looking after us. Tonight, a, uh, another full-on show tonight, and I have a uh, guest in the studio with me this evening. Um, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I'll, I'll explain that in just a moment. But my, my guest um, in New Zealand, his name will be associated with broadcasting. I, I think that's fair to say for many of us. And a uh, career which began in 1972 um, when he researched and presented Radio New Zealand's Reflecting On program, some of you may remember. Um, and the program achieved six mobile radio awards for excellence in broadcasting. He moved to Radio Hauraki in 86, uh, reading the Breakfast News, and was in amongst, I think the Wild Bunch would have been around then, which would have been Kevin Black and Phil Gifford um, from memory in those days. And uh, if you're an islander, you'd be hard pushed not to be aware of the fantastic energy he puts into generating large amounts of funds for our community. And it was uh, broadcasting and contributions to the community that uh, my guest tonight was earlier this year awarded member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. He's an author, and the and book's still available called Save the Last Dance for Me, and through his writings in the Waiheke Weekender, he's someone I'd consider calling a raconteur in the original definition, which is a storyteller, especially a person noted for telling stories with skill and wit. And um, tonight, it's his mastery of demystifying the world of wine that brings him to Waiheke Radio, and I think having blown enough smoke in his direction, it's a delight to welcome John Hawksby to the show. John, good evening and welcome. Ah, Dougal, good evening, thank you. That's the best introduction I've ever had, and the most honest, to be perfectly frank. I, I think it's all downhill from here, though. Isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we right, have it right, recorded. the Waiheke way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we peak right. early, and then it's straight it's to straight, hell in the handcart. It's straight downhill from there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have the idea tonight, uh, and, and it all came out of a, a, a kidnapped conversation in, in the shop doorway of uh, uh, Carol and Steve's at the, but- it's the village butchery across the road. It was. Um, was the idea possibly of looking at uh, matching up art with wine? A, a superb idea. Is that your own idea? <laughs> it, well, it was yeah. my own idea. I, I, I've, done, I've matched wine with all sorts of things, music, um, scenery, whatever, ne- never with art. So well, this is good. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, cool. I was curious. If and it, I haven't. If you've given, you've not given me any prep. I come completely virginal to you You're in without right. any <laughs> preconceptions. You haven't shown me any art. I've no idea where this is going, extremely but I'm going trusting. to enjoy the ride. It's, excuse me. It's extremely trusting. Um, so we've got five pieces of art yep. uh, and your knowledge of wine. So mm, hell, Knowledge of <laughs> so, wine. You're too generous. Yeah. F- fortunately, Can I ask you a question? Yeah, you sure where may. Are, where are, are you mean? from? Uh, Glasgow's my hometown. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, picking the Scottish accent. My so, wife is from uh, Aberdeen, you see, so ah, I, I, right. I have a strong affinity for the Scots. The Granite City. I uh, love the Scots. I, I, there's a few yeah, stories no, of good. my uh, early... 
my early working life up around um, Aberdeen and Stonehaven when mm. I was Ah, oh, Stonehaven is known to me. I was in uh, Glasgow a couple of years ago. It's a very funky town these days. To it be is, perfectly is, honest, yeah. Aberdeen's a bit dull, as I tell my wife <laughs> from a distance. Um, it'd be much nicer to have seen, you know, she came from Edinburgh, but there you go. Well, Glasgow, as you say, being quite funky, it's, uh, it's actually got a, a number of wine bars in it these days, which uh, in, in the days of my youth in Glasgow, wine was uh, known as Buckfast. It was one, a one-bottle wonder, um, and it was about two quid for a gallon. And it was it was a, a step up from um, hair lacquer. That was about the, that was about that was about the category of it. So I, things I, have moved on, I can tell you in like, Glasgow. It's very trendy. <laughs> My, my knowledge of wine extends to colour. Right? Oh, so well, that's, so good. Well, that's a good start. So I mean, I'm, to be I'm, perfectly I'm honest, to, you for this. to be perfectly honest, at the end of the day, um, we need to demystify all the nonsense about wine. And at the end of the day, it's what you like right. and what fits your right. budget. And to start with, colour is good. So if you can discern between a white and a red, Dougal, you are on the way. And it seems somewhat incongruous that the best I can offer you this evening is a glass of water and a piece of shortbread. No, but, that's good. But there we go. No. Uh, now, Walker's shortbread, I see that. I, I don't think this is made uh, in Scotland, however. No, I think that comes from the Arab Emirates. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on you. Uh, this show's going nowhere already. The shortbread you've offered up to me is not it's Scottish. Got, it's a, it's a whole um, yeah, well, yes, and I guess that can happen in wine. Sometimes you can get fooled by uh, by. Actually, uh, this wasn't part of the conversation. But how can you how can you get a wine from a region when the grapes come from somewhere else? How does that work? I don't understand. You know, the when question. you get so, so you might say uh, something like uh, a Hawks Bay wine, yes, um, or a Martinborough wine, or whatever. Yes. But the grapes come from somewhere else. They don't actually come from that. Oh, region, that's not a problem. I mean, I mean, let's let's make this entirely local. Um, the the vineyards, um, with the exception of Man of War, down the bottom end, right. are extremely tiny. Um, we give them the phrase boutique, which is designed to be sexy and very marketable, <laughs> and it's true. And a lot of the vineyards on Waiheke, um, Waiheke is the storefront window it's the shop front because right. Waiheke is is very trendy is very boutique is very sexy we're we're there you know a Waiheke wine wine writers used to say in the 80s overpriced over oaked and over there <laughs> those days have gone to be perfectly honest the, the the wines are amongst the best produced in this country and I'm not yeah. saying this because I'm a resident of Waiheke but because the area grown in grapes is is fairly tiny. Uh, you you will find that your stony ridges, your uh, cable bays, and your mud bricks, and so on, um, they will have their own grapes grown for certain wines. But they need volume. They they need volume, and there's there's not enough land that's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. So whatever. So so they will have the Chardonnay grown on Waiheke or the Bordeaux blend grown on Waiheke, but they'll do a Pinot Noir with grapes grown from, you read the small print, Central Otago, Sauvignon, grapes grown from Marlborough or whatever. Not a problem. They will always identify where the grapes are from. But that's just that's just the way it is. You're it, right. It, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's just a marketing thing. It's, it's not a problem. It, nothing deceitful about it. it they're, they're perfectly honest. Pinot Noir, for example, which is a, a a red which is very fashionable with New Zealanders at the moment, and rightly so. We do some fine Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir grapes do not grow well on Waiheke. A few people 
have tried it. It's been disastrous. Why don't they grow well on Waiheke? Well, Pinot Noir, the grapes, they love cold nights. They love the hot, long days, which we can give, but they also love cold nights. It helps give the grapes the expressive, delicate flavors. We don't have those cold Mm. nights. That's why Central Otago, one of the southernmost, if not the southernmost region for growing grapes in the entire world, does so well with Pinot Noir. So it's horses for courses. So what you've got to work out is what your climate does best. Waiheke has a very similar climate to Hawke's Bay. We have those Mediterranean long, hopefully warm days, uh, an absence of frost. Uh, A good little sea breeze is not a bad thing. It keeps the bugs away and it keeps the grapes healthy and so on. So in many ways, Waiheke is a premium grape growing region but for certain styles you don't you don't say oh waiheke we can grow everything no we can't there is no region in new zealand that says we are good at everything right you've got to work out it's all about climate it's what the french call terroir it's the holistic coming together of climate soil conditions and so on. At the end of the day, winemaking is all about not stuffing it up. <laughs> all right. Uh, a great wine, Dougal, is made from great grapes. Never never underestimate the value of the viticulturist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no great winemaker has ever made a great wine from crap grapes, right. from a bad vintage. Right. Um, and conversely, if I deliver you great grapes – You can stuff it up. (laughs) And the smart winemaker will go, this is a magnificent vintage. These grapes are superb. My job is to do less, is to allow the grapes themselves, the juice to express the flavor, to demonstrate its character. So my job is to not mess, mess it up. So less is more. Get the best out of them. Fantastic. Mother Nature knows best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's answered my question. There you go. Now, now I have the answer. Thank you for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, five pieces of art. Where do we start? Because um, you, you haven't seen these. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. And I don't know whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. I, I mean, I'm it's not, probably a good thing, to be perfectly honest, which means I, I have to think on my feet and just give you an immediate response. Right. Well, I'm going to um, – I, I should be able – I might even be able to find a, a photograph here of the ones I'm going to talk about. Um because the, we're, we're actually going to stay uh, on Waiheke for, for the first piece of art. Okay. Um, and it's going to be uh, Tangler's Cave. So this is one of uh, Dennis O'Connor's pieces. In fact, it won the um, Headland Sculpture on the Gulf this year. Oh, I know um, it. I know it. And so, I'm a big fan of Dennis's work. So that's um, – here we go. Have I got a, here we go. Look, I'll leave this with you. So, yep. Nope. So you know Tangler's. Tangler's. So um, let, let me just uh, – now, for those of you at home who want to play this game – in terms of matching up wine with art, if you go to our website, www.waihikiradio.org.nz, um, you'll see on the podcast uh, list on the right-hand side, um, there's a, a podcast up there, um, which is Can You Match Wine With Art? If you click on that, you'll see the illustrations of the art that I'm talking with John about. Um, so if you want to check this out, so that's www.waihikiradio.org.nz. Have a look at the podcast list. Can you match wine with art? Click on that. You'll see the pieces of art we're, we're going through. 
So the first one, Dennis O'Connor. Now, just a little bit of background to this piece of art while John's um, ruminating, if that's a correct way of putting it, uh, in terms of uh, what wine might... So the idea is, if you were looking at this piece of art, um, is is there a wine that, that you could be drinking that would enhance... Because my, my thing, John, my, my uh, matching wine with food is about all I'm familiar with, and my understanding is you do that to enhance... The flavours potentially of not only the food, but I guess obviously it does something with the wine potentially as well. But the whole thing is to enhance the experience of that dining or that dining experience. So, I'm, so I'm, I guess the thinking is, can you actually have a wine that enhances the experience of looking at a piece of art? So, um, Dennis's work, the the Tangler's Cave that um, we're looking at for the first piece, this is uh, in his series um, that started in 2008. Um, and again, for those of us fortunate on the island, because um, Dennis, of course, is, uh, uh, lives in, and works off the island, um, uh, that Tangler one was shown at the uh, Community Art Gallery, and it was a number of slate pieces, and it also had the uh, pedal cart, um, for want of a better way of putting it, was in that Tangler one. Tangler two, which is the second part of the three-part series, is the horse float. Um, and the inside of that has just got some amazing pieces of slate work and drawings inside of it. Um, and, and the background of it, a tangler uh, essentially was somebody uh, in Ireland operated unofficially outside of formal sanctions and conventions at rural horse fairs. He was basically the guy that a seller might bring in if he couldn't get the money he wanted for his horse. And, and, and the potential buyer was wandering away going, no, I'm not paying any of that. So you bring the tangler in and, and he, in, in, in my mind, and this may do a, a grave injustice to, to the profession, he's a bit like an Arthur Daly character for me. He's a Mr. Fixer. He'll come in and, and sort of uh, fix it up for so he'll go away and, and do the deal and come back and your horse will be sold all being well and there's usually a fee involved of course for doing this um, and, and he's a go-between and there are some parallels that have been drawn between that role of being a go-between and, and uh, uh, arbitrating common ground from divided parties that parallels in the art world where an artist operate, often operates in between the worlds of divided views and opinions and can bring some people together around a central piece of art so, um, the pieces there. Uh, uh, what would you pick? <laughs> what would What would you pick? Well, it's interesting. Um, as I recall, on the sculpture on the Gulf, this came towards the end of of the walk, the the horse cart. I think it did. Yes. 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 Towards the end, and um, I, I live within a, a ten minute walk of this. And Dennis actually said to me. At a certain time each night, we need to close it up. Could you um, <laughs> be the fallback <laughs> position to wander down and close it up? Wow. And I said, yes, but there was a, a, a neighbor more immediate than me um, who, who put up his hand and said, yes, look, look, I'll do it. But if I'm away or can't do it, I'll, I'll ring John. A fallback, so, fallback. So, so I was the fallback position, and I never got the phone call, so obviously <laughs> the neighbour on whose property it almost was was able to close it up um, uh, each night. Uh, it, 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 won, it won the people's yeah. choice, I think. Yeah. Well, it uh, won the master, pro- uh, master or, or, prize. The master prize, yes. Prize. No, no, no. Yeah, I remember yeah, Dennis saying, yeah. hooray, thank you, I'll be able to pay the That's bills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lovely piece of art. Um, the vibe I get from it is it's inviting. It invites you in. It's, it's an invitational piece. Uh, and, and I'll declare a preference for style of wine here. Um, you talked about color, white or red. My personal preference is for red. Now, there is always a place for white wines, no matter what they are, but my personal preference is for red. This piece is kind of interactional. You don't look at it. You are invited in. Right. You could either go through right. the side door or go through the, the, the trap. Oh, the tailgate, yeah, yeah too. Yeah, the tailgate. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's an invitational 
kind of piece. It's an interactive, it's a come on in kind of piece. Um, I, I have a theory that when neighbors or friends invite you and they say, come over for a cup of coffee or why don't you pop around for a glass of wine, it's not about the coffee and it's not about the wine. If somebody says to me, come over for a coffee or come over for a wine, I don't go, will the coffee be decaf? Will it be, do you have a proper Italian espresso machine? Is it going to be plunger? Will it be instant? You don't ask those questions. Likewise, Dougal, if you invite me for wine, do I say, well, you know, Will it be a reasonable right. wine? Is it going to be right. something under $6 from Pack and Save, the bin end? I mean, you know, I'm quite snobby about wine. Will it be? Where? It's not about that. The right. invitation is given on the basis of we use wine, we use coffee or whatever as a mild, not that we need an excuse, but as the invitation to communicate, have community, just say hello. Right. That's what it's all about. So you don't ask these clinical questions. This is an invitational kind of piece of art, I, and 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 I think um, it 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 could be, it could be um, a nice easy light Sauvignon Blanc, which is everybody's preference, or it could be something for me which would be a little more endearing, and and I would put it down as as a Pinot Noir. The reason I mentioned Pinot Noir is that Pinot Noir has a universality to it. Everybody. Not everybody, but everybody loves Pinot Noir. Some people don't like big, heavy Cabernets or Bordeaux styles. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah. too they're too heavy. They're too intrusive. Pinot Noir is a feminine wine. It dances on the head of a pin. It's Audrey Hepburn, <laughs> as opposed to an all black Ford. <laughs> it has elegance. It has beauty. It has poise. It also has a sense of um, ethereal balance to it. It's hard to get right. right. The reason oh, Pinot okay. Noirs are very expensive is that they require a lot of effort, a lot of creativity, and a lot of care. They are very hands-on. This piece of artwork wow. was carefully conceived, carefully put together, and I think it deserves a wine that is a little bit special. So I would either offer a, a, a Pinot Noir, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's from Central Otago or from Martinborough. Martinborough is the other area in New Zealand that does fabulous Pinot Noir. The Martinborough Pinot Noirs tend to be a little bit more Burgundian, which is a little bit more earthy, a little bit more truffle, a little more forest floor. Central Otago tends to be a bit more bright, breezy, and in your face, a bit more fruity, cherry, strawberry, and so on. Whatever, it doesn't matter your preference. I, right. The Pinot Noirs from Marlborough, which is trying to throw off the shackles of just being about Sauvignon Blanc, tend to fit somewhere in between the the bright forward fruitiness of Central Otago and the more earthy Burgundian or French style of the wire wrapper and Martinborough. So so it's it, it falls somewhere in between. So I think a Pinot Noir would work well. Or because it's such an engaging, come on in sort of piece. It's a piece that says, come on in. Right. Don't just look at me and have keep a, walking. Yeah. Come on in, come, come on, on in, come, come a, through, have, have a look. A part, yeah. So uh, a Sauvignon Stay Blanc, a while. A Sauvignon yeah. Blanc for me is, is a bit like a, a nice, easy, bright, breezy, uncomplicated wine. Right. So I'm having two bob each way. I'm, right. uh, I'm offering a white <laughs> or 
or a red. But the, um, that the, way I'm covering all the bases. The, 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 the Pinot you mentioned has got subtleties to it that aren't immediately obvious in terms of what it takes to create, if, if I've understood what you've sort of been yes. saying. So there's a lot to it to, to get it right, to a, get a good one. A, a good Pinot Noir. Part of the problem with Pinot Noir is that it's a very temperamental grape. So right. it's, it's difficult to get right. Right. It requires a lot of hands-on care. That was it, the hands-on care. It, bit. it yeah, requires yeah, right. hands-on care. And, and it doesn't grow like a weed, as opposed to Sauvignon Blanc, which any winemaker will tell you is the easiest, probably the to, easiest uh, yeah. wine. It, Sauvignon Blanc grows like a weed. It's fairly hardy. It's fairly tough. Right. And you'll never hear a winemaker say this, but because I'm not a winemaker, I can say it. If they have a particularly bad vintage, the way they can make it taste okay is to throw a bit more sugar at it. Right. And it, Sauvignon Blanc appeals to the – I call it lemonade, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc is entry level. It's 101. It's fabulous. It's our biggest selling wine, and people yeah, love it. It's yeah. bright, breezy, yeah. it's clean, and it's yeah. lovely. It's not my desert island wine. Yeah. But – um, having said that, it's it's popular, it's a, it's appealing, and this piece of artwork was popular, appealing, and inviting. But those who want to see a little bit more than a horse cart that had been dollied up will find a little bit more excitement and nuance in a pen and wine. That's beautiful because that's when you get inside, like you say, and you see the actual work and what it's taken inside You've the 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 horse floor. It's just magical, just magical. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite something. All right, superb. So that's our that's our first piece um, with Tangler. So let's. Uh, that was uh, very insightful. My, I, I'd actually picked a piece of music to go. I was thinking as uh, I thought, well, if John's going to look at wine, I might just see if I could uh, pick a piece of music that might go with that. Um, and and I and it's, it's interesting you say kind of uh, uh, the bright breezy option if you like because um, I, I I went for a. Uh, um, I got a sense of uh, lounge music for some reason. Oh, okay. So, so, Nothing and, wrong with lounge and, music. And, and something with the with the Tangler story about borderline legality. I'm not quite sure why. I think it's that Irish thing about where you put one of the boys who's got a, a word for all seasons, a sort of a Jack the Lad who's a bit confident about himself and a bit mouthy into the into the arena to go and sort your problems out. Um, so I'll just have a, a, a couple of uh, lines of this um a song which was uh, it came out from uh, Dean Martin and uh, it oh, was. You see, uh, I do a good Dean Martin impersonation. Oh, I do. After <laughs> a few drinks. Oh well, I'm, <laughs> I have been known to. Uh, yeah, and Dean is a huge. I love Had Dean I Martin. Known that. Well, uh, this was uh, an album that was done. The the the. There's been a number of these types of albums where they've uh, picked an artist who is no longer with us, who's died a while back, and then they 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 team up some modern day. Um, musicians alongside them and do some amazing stuff. So they've they've uh, put this uh, uh, big bad voodoo daddy, which is a uh, uh, a contemporary swing band together with them. Um, so here's a little bit of who's got the action. So if you can imagine pot- potentially with your pinot, looking at the tangler and uh, uh, and with this music quietly playing behind you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Direct from the bar, Dean Martin. Gal is like a racehorse, I play her to win. But if I should lose her, another may come in. Oh, love can be like heaven, love can be a joke. But it's worth a gamble 
So here I go for broke. Who's got the action? Who take a chance on love? Who's got a kiss for me? Give me one and you get back three. Who's got the action? Just lay it on the line and I'll bet you ten to one. You be mine. Now once I had a filly. I ain't seen her since Some can't go the distance They're only good in sprints For sweethearts stay together When it's fair and warm But in stormy weather They don't run to form Who's got the action? Who take a chance on love? Who's got a kiss for me? Give me one and you get back three Who's got the action? Just lay it on the line and I'll bet you ten to one you'll be mine. They can belt out a tune, can they? Absolutely fantastic. Now, Dougal, I've got a true story about <laughs> Dean Martin. You've got a story about Dean. I'll just let 19... play underneath us. Off you go. <laughs> 1974, I came down in a lift from the 22nd floor of the Four Seasons Hotel in Atlanta with Dean Martin. <laughs> I won't tell you how I got there, but I think there was a casino on the 22nd or the 19th wow. floor. It was about mid-morning, about 11 o'clock, and, um, and I was in the lift coming down, and the, the doors opened, and Dean, looking somewhat disheveled and with a cigarette in a black tie, which was hanging <laughs> off, staggered into the lift to go down to the lobby. I think, he, uh, Lord knows, he'd probably been at the casino um, singing or whatever. I wasn't aware of it. And uh, he sort of staggered into a corner, and there were three of us in the lift, and we all went, Dean Martin. <laughs> That's Dean <laughs> and he looked at us, and he knew we knew who he was, and he knew at that stage that he was the coolest dude <laughs> in the room. And he never said anything until the lift got to the lobby, and he was first to walk out, and he just and he just looked at us and winked, and took a puff on his fag and said. Keep buying my records. That- <laughs> yeah, and I thought, you are the coolest dude on the planet. Isn't that beautiful? I loved his TV oh, show in the 60s. Down. We're at the end. He, I mean, he always pretended to be completely drunk, and he, he, he could give it a bit nudge, yeah. a bit of a nudge, yeah, the alcohol. Yeah. But in actual fact, apparently he was stone cold sober. Oh, for his TV, TV show. show. Yeah, yeah, but he'd yeah. always try and jump on the, on the white grand piano at the end, and I always remember his... Sign off line was just keep sending those cards and letters. Jeannie, my wife, still <laughs> loves those cards and letters. She reads them all. He was such a cool dude. That was wasn't he? It was just superb. And that yeah, I, I uh, as as a uh, as a kid, that, that his show was was one um, that I did watch. It just he was an amazing guy. But how cool is that? That's a, you couldn't do that today because you wouldn't be able to smoke in the lift for one. But, well, I mean, no, you, that's you right. Just, and, that's and, right. And I, I don't know if we've got that caliber of uh, of um, artist. Anymore, he said. Well, Tony Bennett's the, uh, holding, oh, Tony's still holding that, that yeah, torch yeah, for too. that generation. Yes, quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, and and the fact that he's able to uh, get artists of you know Lady Gaga and unfortunately the late Amy Winehouse to duet with him is the duets, just tantamount yeah. to his. And his new duet two album was superb, stunning, absolutely stunning, superb. Stunning. Just beautiful. Are these guys that ability to swing? I mean, yeah. superb, and it, it's timeless, effortless. Timeless. I have uh, one of my daughters who's in her 30s just loves that sort of music. Frank Sinatra 
Dean Martin. I right. mean, just, it's amazing. Yeah. It crosses it's, the it, generations. It goes on, doesn't it? Oh. It just goes on. I just love it. All right. Now, uh, you're listening to the Anything Artist Show here on Waiheke Radio, your community radio station, 88.3 and 107.4 FM. Uh, my guest this evening is John Hawksby. Um, and we are matching up wine with art, just uh, having a bit of fun with that. Um, we started off by having a look at uh, Dennis O'Connor's work, uh, Tangler 2. Um, and we selected some wine for that. And uh, we're now going to have a look at uh, a piece which is known as uh, Christ St. John of the Cross. It's a painting by Salvador Dali. Um, now, if you want to check these out, by the way, uh, the pieces of art we're talking about, if you go to www.yhikiradio.org.nz, have a look at the podcast uh, area on the right-hand side of the website, and you'll see a podcast up there entitled um, have, uh, Can You Match Wine with Art? Click on that, and you'll see the... the uh, illustrations of the art we're talking about now this particular piece of work the reason i've chosen this is it's it's one it's about the only one as a kid that i actually had any um in term, uh, it was my it was my connection with art it's a piece that's hanging in um uh, glasgow in the kelvin grove art gallery painted in 1951 um it's known as christ of st john on the cross because it was uh, uh, based on a uh, a drawing by a 16th century spanish friar um, and it's got some similarities in the view. Now, um, for those of you, if you're not having a look at this picture on site, um, as I've often said, trying to explain art on the radio doesn't uh, <laughs> stodgy at the best of times. But um, in this particular occasion, it's uh, it's a quite a striking uh, piece. You have uh, Christ on the cross. You're looking down on top of his head. So it's, it's like you're above the cross. Um, three quarters of the painting is just black with the cross um, highlighted in it. And then underneath that, the clouds are beginning to break. There's a sort of a, a, a bluish sky coming up. There's a lake there and uh, a fishing boat on the shores of the lake and quite a serene view underneath. Um, now, on the bottom of his studies for the painting, Daly explained the inspiration he was seeing in the first place. In uh, a year before he painted it in the 50s, he, he had what he called a cosmic dream. Uh, he saw this image in colour, which, as he says in my dream, represented the nucleus of the atom. The nucleus later took on a metaphysical sense, considered it the very unity of the universe. And uh, although it's a depiction of the, the crucifixion, it's devoid of nails, blood and a crown of thorns, because, according to Daly, he was convinced by a dream these features would mar his depiction of Christ. Um, now the, the the Glasgow Council in their wisdom paid eight grand for this in the fifties, and allegedly the Spanish government has offered them eighty million pounds recently, um, but it was turned down. And I'm very grateful it has been because this sits at the end of a long corridor at the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery, and and it's a piece that when you look at it, it, it just causes you to stop, and it and it pretty much takes your breath away. Um, now I won't say any more about it until we hear from John in terms of 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 what what it may do for him in terms of a, a wine selection. And we'll just see if there's some similarities between the wine that he may choose for this and, and some other um, uh, characteristics of this particular painting. So, John, over to you. What? Yes, what um, uh, that's fascinating. I never knew that, that it was sold so cheaply. And <laughs> there's a great irony here that Jesus is still very... <laughs> Saleable and there's money to be made. <laughs> money to be made. Um, Especially going up to Christmas, I guess. Well, you know. exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, this is a very uh, emotive and a very salutary piece. You, you don't have to have any religious um, uh, religious bone in your body yeah. to realise that this is a piece that you stop and and go back to. Um, I have Christian faith, so I look at this piece and um, uh, you know it it touches me. Um, 
and uh, I instantly, this is easy. This is easy. easy. This, uh, you've got to go for a serious communion type wine, if I may be oh. so bold as to say. That's probably the bleeding obvious, so to speak. <laughs> but this is not a wine of frivolity or this is not a champagne. This is not a wine that we shake up and, you know, having won a Formula One race. Right. Uh, this, this is a wine for contemplation, um, for serious drinking. I mean, serious drinking. This is a wine to be sipped and supped, not right. glugged. Right. This is a wine for contemplation. This is a wine for reflection. This is a wine for introspection. This is a serious wine with complexity. Uh, this is a wine that speaks at the heart of what makes a wine great, which is balance and structure and finesse and boldness. And I haven't mentioned any fruit flavors. You don't need to. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a wine that speaks to the soul, if wine is able to do that, and I, th I think wine can. So this would be what we call a Bordeaux blend. This would yeah. be Cabernet Sauvignon. This would be Merlot, Malbec, Petit Verdot, and so on. And there is a wine on New Zealand, and I have, I have um, um, a very – able to mention them, and it's um, New Zealand's most expensive and probably most highly regarded Bordeaux-style blend. It's, it's actually made here in small amounts, and that is Stony Ridge Vineyard. Okay. And it is the Stony Ridge La Rose. And this is a blend of uh, five Bordeaux-style grapes. The Bordelais now um, tend to use four. They drop the Melbeck. But um, Stony Ridge uses the five. It's a wine of weight and measure. It's a wine that should be put down and treasured and should be held on to for at least 10 to 12 years from vintage. It's a wine that matures with age. It's a serious wine. It's a wine that should be drunk with food. And it's, it's a wine of integrity, it's a wine of honesty, and it's a wine that is a true expression of where it is made, and that the grapes are from a lovely, a lovely valley in the middle of the island, which is a major sun trap. So it's kind of a serious wine, and let's not forget that wine has a very strong biblical connection. The Old right. Testament, there are Naboth's vineyard, and wine was very much a part of Old Testament tradition as was a part of New Testament tradition. And let's not forget that the first, the first miracle recorded in the New Testament by Jesus as a 12 or possibly 13-year-old um, was the turning of water into wine, into wine. at uh, the wedding of Cana <laughs> of Galilee. So there's a strong biblical connection. Of course, the great vineyards of France and indeed Italy in the um, you know in the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth century, the vineyards were all owned initially by the church. Right, right. yes, yeah, yeah. The um, it's it, it was interesting in your description, um, which mirrored a lot of uh, um, feelings I have when I stand in front of that picture, and I, I can think of when I do stand in front of that picture, um, uh, and it's it's one of the first places I go to whenever I go back. Um, home is, is for some reason I go to the art gallery and I go and stand in front of that painting it's just and and you're right about it doesn't necessarily have to have a religious 
or you don't have to necessarily have no. a, a religious connection no, for it to have an effect. No. And, and I know a number of people um, who just go and look at that painting and it's almost like um, if whatever's happening, it's it's five minutes of peace and quiet and tranquility. Mm. They just everything else just stops while they exactly just are yeah. there for a moment in time. Yeah. And 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 it, it it really is uh, uh, quite stunning. It's um, it has that serenity you were you were kind of describing a sort of stillness. It just. But I, I was intrigued when you were commenting there. Can, can you pick um, music? Uh, for example, for me, sometimes on an occasion, I think, oh, do you know, this just calls for this piece of music without doing anything else. It might just be sitting there or whatever, but I just think this piece of music will just... Can you do that with a wine? Can, can, can you just think, do you know what? This, well, right now, a, a, a sip of this type would yes. just seal this whole thing off, even if mm, you were just sitting by Yeah, yourself. well, I can. You know, talking to an old disc jockey here, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a significant um, record collection. Music. I'm tone deaf, but music has always been... A passion for me, and uh, I think looking at this piece of art and um, sipping gently on a glass of Stony Ridge LaRose, especially with a bit of age on it, um, you need something classical. Um, Ness and Dorma springs to mind, um, anything by the great European composers, something stirring, something majestic, something contemplative. Yeah. you don't want any hip hop here. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> well, you, have, you haven't seen my music selection for this um, one yet. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, I mean, I can think of a couple of Bob Dylan songs that would probably work, but then I'm a Dylanologist. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, that that would probably work and be and be reflective. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, it's the sort of piece that you look at in silence. Yes. Yeah, and and with a wine, can can you can you do that? Can you are the wines that just you don't need to have? It's not about matching with food or matching with a, a, a um, conversations or anything. It's just about you know what this just sitting here contemplative right now. What would go with this as a glass of? Yeah, d- d- wine can work that same way that music. Uh, well, could, uh, we're stretching could, a long bow, but right. uh, but but I I, I believe that's possible. <laughs> but then. Wine is, um, an impo- as is food, an important part of my yeah. life. I mean, where I live yeah. on Waiheke Island, um, I'm facing west and I see the sunsets go down every night and I watch the sun drop beneath yeah. the bosom of Rangitoto and then move as the summer spreads and it becomes much closer that moves towards behind the sky tower and then to the left of the sky tower. And the sky and the Waitakere ranges and the whatever, the colours are vibrant and wonderful. And um, I, I can sit outside at my place with a glass of wine. And, yeah. and, um, and there, is a, there is a sense of wonder, and that's enhanced by the wine. And I, I think, think it, it must be – you're right. And I'm just thinking for, from a food perspective, just – I mean, there are occasions where you think, no, that that no, not that taste, not that taste, not that taste. Ah, that's it. That's exactly what we'll do right now. So uh, there's no reason why, and now I think about it, why that wouldn't be able to work for a while. No, exactly. you just think, just from the way you're describing it. Um, nice. So the, um, that piece we were looking at is uh, Christ of St. John uh, and on uh, of the Cross. So it's a, a we're in the, the Bordeaux style um, mix. Is that the right way to pronounce it? Or, or yeah, Bordeaux yeah. style? An amalgam of Ma- uh, right. the Bordeaux people do four grapes now. Stanley Ridge has done five, which originally is where the Bordeaux blend was. And I think they've got it dead right. So cool. it, 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 it's a bringing together of different wine styles, predominantly Cabernet and Merlot as a rule. So um, 
and so uh, this is the uh, we'll just have a little a play of this little piece of music um, that I selected to go with this may or may not match the wine so I'll be interested after we to be honest at the Dougal, I'm, I'm not going to take <laughs> we'll you behind see. the bike sheets for a severe beating and say you got that wrong pal <laughs> we'll try it it's from uh, Briggs Co-op it's a, it's a New Zealand well seeing as you, you mentioned a, an island wine LaRosse from Stony Ridge um, this is a, a New Zealand band um, that I just thought had a kind of a nice feel to it um, that one might have on the iPod if you ever happen to have a piece of music and um, looking at this particular uh, uh, piece of art. Choice, uh, Dougal. That's good. It was, a, uh, it was an interesting one. Good I, reflective I, I, piece. No, oh, that's what and, I felt. Uh, upfront lyrics. That's good. You don't want anything too chaotic there. I Not, mean, uh, deep purple Led Zeppelin is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Stones is, is not going to yeah. is not going to work. It wasn't quite uh, going to happen. It's not going to work. For so that, that yeah, for that piece. Uh, you're right. And so I think uh, I think we could be on a winner there with that. So that's other side by Breaks Co-op for um, for our daily work, uh, Christ of St John and the Cross. Um, I have my guest in the studio tonight for the Anything Artist Show is, is uh, Mr John Hawksby. Um I'm tapping into his. Um, ability to demystifying wine for us as we look at uh, having a bit of fun just matching up wine with art here on the Anything Artist Show uh, on Waiheke Radio 88.3 and 107.4 FM and uh, thanks again to the artist Goldsmith um, for sponsoring the show David and Christine now you can always check out some of Christine's work at Studio Connections in Ocean View Road. Um, she's always got something really interesting in the cabinet. I make it sound like make it sound like a takeaway. She's always got some really interesting <laughs> pieces in the cabinet to go she and check out. With that. Just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, she's just uh, some of the work that she does with uh, precious metal and, and gems is just absolutely exquisite, um, and it's always worth having a look as you go past. And of course, you can um, check out while you're there about uh, getting an invite up to the studio to discuss commission work as well. Um, should you choose to do that. So um, check them out at Studio Connections. Now, uh, two pieces down so far. So we had uh, Tangler's Cave was our first uh, um, choice of art, and uh, we looked at potentially some Pinot Noir and uh, Chardonnay, I think, was the other option with that from memory, John? Was that no, it was, actually, it was actually was it? Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, sorry, Sauvignon Blanc. We, we, we went Apologies. for the approachable and easy. 
That's right. And that was the superficial choice. And then if you wanted to come on inside <laughs> and be a bit more contemplative, the pen and moi. Lovely. And then uh, the one we've just looked at, which is uh, the Christ of St. John and the Cross, and that was a, a, a Bordeaux blend. And um, uh, so that could have been Cab Sav Merlot style, if, if that's correct. Yep. And then uh, also one that was was mentioned, which we can get on the island from um, our very, one of the very fine vineyards we have here, which is Stone Edge, which was the, is it La Rose? Is that La Rose, La Rose. La Rose. Yeah, it's their premium so, wine, yeah. Um, it so also has the uh, Malbec and the Petit Verdot and the Cabernet Franc. So that with the cabinet in the middle, covers you all covered those red grapes. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Did they not just pick up another award, Stony Ridge? Was it Stony um, Ridge yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Waiheke wines we keep are doing very well across yeah. the board, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, we're on a roll. We're doing exceptional. Now, here's our third piece, and uh, this is a little bit different. So this is uh, uh, The Thinker. Um, so this was uh, one of the pieces that Rodin, uh, Auguste Rodin is probably best known for. Um, I hadn't realised actually that this was, I always thought this was a, a very, very old piece, but the first casting of this was in 1902, which I hadn't realised. Um, uh, this guy, uh, this guy, uh, Rodin, he trained at the uh, École Spéciale des Dessins et de Mathématiques, which was a school with a mission to educate the designers and the artisans of the French nation, um, except he was rejected three times by the official art school of France, so they didn't reckon he was good enough, so he went off to become, in my words, a painter and decorator. Um, but in, in, in artistic terms, he uh, uh, went to work amongst commercial decorators and, and ornamental craftsmen in Paris. And then he, uh, when he went to Italy in 1875, he kind of uh, was... Uh, awakened by uh, Michelangelo's work and Donatello's and Gilberti's work. Um, and as he was quoted as saying, uh, Michelangelo saved me from academicism. Um, and he noted that Michelangelo's figures, included, uh, including the tormented, terrified and hell-bound sinners, were to haunt uh, Rodin's imagination for the rest of his life. Um, and and actually something else I didn't realise was Rodin's imagination and work in, in the whole... Uh, area of sculpture uh, virtually revived um, the whole art of sculpture in the late 19th century. Um, now, originally it was uh, it was called the Poet. It was a piece that was part of a commission by the Musée des Arts Décoratifs uh, to create uh, basically a, a monumental portal uh, to act as the door to the museum. So the idea was that there would be four, if not five, of these figures um, dotted around the door. And it's uh, said that uh, this particular one, or the theme was going to be the Divine Comedy of Dante, uh, and this particular piece, The Thinker, um, was meant to depict Dante in front of the gates of hell, pondering his great poem. Um, and I think that's about it. It's a, it's a well-known piece that even if you can't look at it right now, you can probably think of it. It's been copied many, many times, plagiarised. It's been uh, all sorts of work done with it. So... Um, what do you reckon for this one, John? What would you put with this? Well, I think um, just looking at the at the image, which is which is is, is well known. I think we want a wine of muscular proportion, to be honest. So we're probably tending once again towards a red, and I'm showing my own bias here. And I think a wine that is gaining traction in New Zealand and is purported to be the next big thing. For New Zealand after Sauvignon, which has enjoyed a great run so far. But for the New Zealand wine industry, Sauvignon Blanc is in danger of becoming the albatross around our neck because you speak to international 
people and they go, oh, New Zealand, ah, Sauvignon Blanc, Marlborough, that's it. But our Pinot Noirs have gained traction over the last few years. And the next big thing, which Waiheke has been quick to pick up on, is doing very well and making some of the country's best, is Syrah. Um, And Syrah is quite a muscular red wine. The Australians call it Shiraz. Oh, right. And um, that'll be probably more familiar to a lot of people. And it's a big, grunty, front-row Ford, (laughs) sucking the mantelpiece, kiss the road tar wine. Uh, Take no prisoners. It grows well in Australia. It's big. It's alcoholic. You need to eat it with a big piece of red meat. It's not a wine for vegans, to be perfectly honest. And it can be a bit of a headbanger. Uh, so that's the Aussie Shiraz, huge in the Barossa Valley. Shiraz likes, they like heat, they like strength of sun, they like long, warm summers, and those grapes are just bursting with promise and flavour. Here in New Zealand, we're a little bit more cool climate, so we call it the same grape, Shiraz, we call it Syrah, after the kind of the Northern Rhone French idea. And our wines have a little bit more if I may be so bold as to say, a little bit more subtlety, a little bit more flavour, a little bit more restraint. They're a little bit more <laughs> balanced. They're not quite in your face. They are not head-banging type wines. But they can be quite muscular, and they've usually got lovely flavours of deep black currant and a little bit of pepper. So there's a few things happening there. And uh, Waiheke, along with Hawke's Bay, are making some of the great Syrahs. So... Syrah is relatively new to the island. Passage Rock springs to mind. Very good Syrah. Obsidian, very good. The Hay Paddock also. And a number of other people are making very fine Syrah. And Syrah is working because if if you feel like a change from a Cabernet and you don't feel like another Pinot Noir, Syrah slips nicely in the middle. Yeah. And, 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 and it is a thoughtful wine. It's a wine that is is not instantly recognisable. So there's a bit of thought and reflectiveness okay. there, but there is also a bit of muscular. You look at this piece of artwork and you go, I can't put a flimsy wine. I can't do Pinot Gris. That's for ladies who lunch. <laughs> but this is reflective. It's muscular. It has strength. It has good temperament. Um, and so I think I think a, a, I, I think a Syrah. If if you want a white to go with this. You'd go with Chardonnay. Yeah. Okay. The um, t- interesting one on the muscular aspect because one of the things in terms of uh, Rodin depicted um, the thinker or the originally as the poet uh, nude because he wanted that heroic sense of uh, Michelangelo's figures. So I guess that's part of that. It's captured that. that. that yeah, sense that you had, but I just love the, the kiss the road tar of the Shiraz compared to the Syrah being somewhat more subtle. Well, they're big, they're big. You know, if you want a headache in the kiss morning, the drink a bottle of Australian Barossa Shiraz on your own, see how you go. Uh, I think that's just magnificent. Um, so that, well, uh, I, I think I may have uh, flunked the music on this one because it sounds from that that I should have been going for a uh, something, well, especially if we were doing the Shiraz. 
it, it should have been something about ACDC, possibly something a bit, a, a, a bit, a bit yeah, of the, the rock know, and roll era. Given our nod to Ozzy Shiraz, yeah, anything by Jimmy Barnes probably Jimmy would Barnes, have cut the yeah, most. Yeah, he's got that voice, hasn't but he? Yeah, he has. Really he's got that Bob Seger thing happening. Yeah. That Hollywood <laughs> nights and that, he's, you know. He's what I call a singer. Yeah. He's not necessarily technically great, but he can belt a tune. Oh, out. absolutely. He can, he can no, no, working class man would have. Would have <laughs> <laughs> so what I might do is go for the more gentler Syrah no, style for why us not? with the music selection I've picked here. Um, so there was there was something about this when I was looking at it uh, that that it was like for me when I was looking at the thinker it's like imagine he's he's sitting around he's reflecting back on the past hundred and thirty years or however long hundred and ten years however long he's been sitting there and he's he's just reflecting a bit on life and thinking about what he's. Uh, what he's come to realise over the years, and I've just picked this uh, little piece of uh, music. It's called uh, High Hopes from a, uh, a guy, Paolo Nuntini. So um, we'll just see if this might work. Hopes are high, but my eyes can't believe what they see. Oh, give me something to believe. Give me something to believe Oh, I've got lucky in life I've got plenty to eat And I saw this world is one big pool of opportunity Oh, but there's too much mind corruption Too little remedy Oh, that's how it seems to me yeah, we need a moral education to set the young minds free. So let us change what we can and accept what we can't and impart some of the wisdom from the tried and tested man. Oh, there's no harm in being wrong, you know. Yeah, not too sure about that. After no, 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 that's good. Might, no, might, it's getting might, the tick of approval. Trick, I'm liking it. Know, yeah, so no, yeah. no, good reflective song again. A nice you know? little beat to it. If you imagine he's just thinking over, yeah. thinking over his life so far, <laughs> what he may have gleaned from it. Um, so we have uh, we've got uh, time for one more uh, piece of art here. We're looking at matching up some wine with art here on the Anything Arty Show with my guest John Hawksby. Um and we're going to be heading across to uh, Spain to, uh, well, actually, because it's Catalan, then uh, often they don't consider themselves Spanish, but we're heading to Barcelona, and uh, this is work by Antonio Gaudi y Cornet, as he's known. Now, um, some of you may well be familiar with Gaudi's work. He uh, was around in uh, the late 1800s was when his work was really... Um, coming into the fore um, he's very well known for a lot of his um, mosaic work uh, 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 ceramic work uh, with mosaics um, is in his uh, Trencadis style as it was known um, so he's done ceramic stained glass wrought iron work uh, forging carpentry um, but the amazing thing about a lot of his work is it's you look at it now and and it's like completely futuristic so in the 1800s, it might have been, it must have been just incredible. Um, it's incredibly distinctive. Most of his work set in the Catalan capital of Barcelona, um, in, including one of his his most well known and photographed pieces, which is uh, Sagrada Familia, which is a uh, uh, 
uh, what I would call a cathedral um, uh, being built. It was started in 1882 and is due to finish in 2026. So it's 144 years. So uh, I know there's a few people on the island I've met who figure it's going to take them that long to get their house built. But I think uh, in in uh, this particular uh, building, um, it's just a, an amazing piece of work. Um, a lot of his work was uh, marked by passions that he had about architecture, nature, religion, uh, and his love of Catalonia. In a number of his buildings, uh, you're hard pushed to find a straight line uh, and it's incredible how uh, these pieces of architecture and buildings were put together. Um, and he, he uh, basically didn't work from plans, but everything he did was uh, created as three-dimensional scale models, uh, which would be quite incredible. And, and uh, yeah, I, I just... Uh, the colouring, the, uh, the... All... Uh, when you... Particularly um, uh, on some of his buildings, when you walk through them, you just get enveloped. Uh, by the architecture, by the uh, swirling lines that are in there. As I say, hardly anything ever straight. So, um, John, what would you... Uh, it's quite surreal, some of this work. When, when you look at it, even on paper, it's quite something. But um, what do you reckon? If we were having a wander around uh, these buildings mm. here, what, what should we have mm. a glass well, of? Well, if I was sitting in an exam and wanted to suck up to the examiner <laughs> and do like with like, I'd suggest Tempranillo which is the, uh, the star grape of Rioja, um, grown across uh, northern and central Spain. So I'm putting uh, a Spanish wine with a Spanish right. artwork, right. so whatever. And uh, Tempranillo, is, there's a few people in New Zealand doing Tempranillo, oh, okay. whatever. And at its best, it can, it can be quite good. It can be uh, quite a fruity, big, luscious wine. But uh, by and large, I find it a bit one-dimensional, to be perfectly honest. So Tempranillo is a possibility, but only because I'm trying to match the country right. with the wine. So just to get away from my obsession, that's a red wine with red <laughs> wines. The wine that I think I would put with this is the most chameleon of all white wines, and that is Riesling. Riesling oh. is a hard sell yeah. in, in New Zealand, and part of the problem is that people – it gets a bad rap. People have bad flashbacks of Riesling. They confuse it with Muller Turgau from yeah, the 60s, thinking, and they yeah. think it's like sucking on a sugar sack. And part of the problem for Riesling and part of the problem with selling Riesling in New Zealand is that people don't know what they're getting. Is it going to be sweet? Is it going to be right. dry? Is it going to be right. somewhere in between? And I spend my life telling producers of wine who make Riesling, and we make some very fine Rieslings in this country, and they're very inexpensive by and large, is to please indicate on the label whether it's medium dry, dry, sweet, or, or whatever. But a Riesling is the most chameleon-like of wines. It can change in the glass. Um, it can start sweet and finish dry. Wow. Why is that? Don't ask me. You know, to ask is to diminish the reason. It's part of the ethereal, glorious nature of Riesling. Riesling defies the imagination. Wow. And it's beautiful on its own, but it's beautiful particularly with seafoods and light summer dishes. So we should be embracing Riesling a lot more. So I would put a white wine. I would put a Riesling some great Rieslings coming out of all places, Central Otago, which gives us some of our best New Zealand Pinot Noir, some very fine Rieslings from there uh, and other parts of New Zealand. It's a beautiful description you give that that um, defying imagination, the light, the 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 chameleon 
approach, which is very much when you look through some of his work, some of um, Gowdy's work, it is, you think you're looking at one thing, but you look from a slightly different angle uh, and it's just changed uh, again. It's this is amazing. art that you need, you can't have a quick glance with and say, I'm, I'm, I've got the catalogue, I'm moving on to lot 22. <laughs> you know, be still my beating heart. <laughs> Let it speak to you. It's a piece that speaks to you. Riesling, a great Riesling can be like that. And I think that's the other lovely thing that that you to try and describe it is is you don't bother just appreciate it for is what to it destroy is it. If we have to constantly it. deconstruct everything, sometimes we lose that magical, supernatural, spiritual yeah. X factor, yeah. Yeah. and it's best not to try and overanalyze it. Let it be. Let it go. There you go. And that's uh, such a fantastic place in which to uh, end the show. Um, John, thank you so much. Uh, I, I appreciate very much your time. My you, pleasure. I, I tapped you in the shoulder, said, do you fancy doing this? And you, you very kindly said, not a problem. And, uh, and I know there's hundreds of people tapping in the shoulder <laughs> regularly to say, you, you come and help us do this and do that. And the Most next of them thing. I so, probably owe money so to. It's very, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's why you left in the air, wasn't it? So, so it's really mu- uh, very much appreciated. You've been listening to the Anything Artist Show here on Waiheke Radio, 88.3, 107.4 FM.